0: everyone thank you so much for joining us for another episode of connecting conversations we are absolutely stoked to be uh, joined today by karen and claire the co-founders of cnc collaborations ladies welcome to connecting conversations
1: hi hi thank you so much for having us here
0: thank you it's so good to have you guys here. It, I think it might just be so much easier to dive straight in and talk about, just introduce yourselves and just how it is that you met and how you've been able to bring your skills together in the professional capacity you now have as founders um, of your company.
2: Fab. Well, Claire, you tell it so well. So I
0: let you <laughs> I love that. Let's pass it over to the other. <laughs> Did you hear the slight pause?
1: This yeah. is such a great example, though, of how polite us women are and how we don't always step in and take that space. <laughs> I'm going to take that space. I'm going to use my voice. Oh, we, So Karen and I both have our own separate companies. We come from very different backgrounds. I am a psychotherapist. I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. I have a background um, in public sector, mental health and well-being before starting my own company some five or six years ago. Uh, in the mindset space in the therapy space and uh Karen and I met uh, a, a different situation but somewhat similar to what you and Ivelka were talking about just before we started it was a little bit random well it's quite random we happened to have the same accountant we used to do weekly calls with this lovely accountant uh, and we were every week just there hearing each other kind of going i was i i there's something about Karen that just drew me to her going, I like what she's all about. I like the way she presents herself. And we just started slowly having more conversations about what we could do um, and how we could collaborate together and what we could build and grow. We're both very interested in, in what impact we could have in a really positive way out there in the, in the world. And we and we focus very much on, on women in business, women founders, uh, women in the entrepreneurial space and the leadership space. So I bring my mindset and my uh, psychology and therapy background. And Karen, I'll let you explain all the amazing strategy side of things that you do.
2: Oh, well, thanks so much for that lovely build up, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, I'm a corporate escapee after almost 20 years. Um, my background is around customer strategy. I worked with large PLC organisations in the construction industry in London, managing their customer remit. Um, which was really fascinating, but also exciting because it was an industry that didn't wasn't very progressive in terms of digital um, experiences and looking after the customer, being customer centric. So, I kind of had carte blanche and a blank canvas to go and experiment with things like, um, you know, putting time lapse cameras on building sites so that people from far away could. Watch the whole two years journey before they finally gave us all their money and you know, exciting things like that. And then, um, after my daughter was born, I um, I, I stopped and I, I left because she had multiple food allergies. So, there wasn't uh, to be able to continue in a male dominated industry that you were expected to be in the office seven to seven every day was not viable. Um, so I retrained, um. And 20 years later, went back to studying and qualified as a digital marketer and opened up my own consultancy, um, as well as developing an app um, for families with food allergies. And then that led me more into actually supporting mission, purpose driven uh, founders to help grow and scale their businesses. And so I bring the whole um, strategic input around your uh a scalable business model that you can sell one day marrying an omni-channel customer-centric business and those experiences and leveraging online and offline business models so yes as you can tell it was a match made in heaven when Claire and I
0: met. I was going to say I feel like a little bit humbled just listening to this huge list of accolades <laughs> of you guys pack a punch, both individually and also together and I think what what strikes me already and I'm sure Rebecca will agree is just how wonderful it is to hear two women looking across the pond from one another and mm. the connection of a kindred kind of heart towards something and wanting to get excited about what the other is doing. I think as a generation we, we I, I'm, I'm beginning to see more of that and it's interesting we're in Black History Month right now and the theme for this year is saluting your sisters and the two of you are embodying that even though you know, you're know you outside of potentially that, that community, but to hear more, uh, more women coming together, like, I can see what you are doing. How can I support that? How can we join forces rather than I need to compete? Does that make sense? What are your thoughts yeah. about that? Like, it sounds yeah. like evaded all of that nonsense, and I love that.
1: <laughs> awesome. um, We've got no time for that kind of nonsense, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and I think mm. that's, that's something I certainly see in Karen, and, and I hope I embody that as well, is that the more we can cheer each other on and champion each other, uh, the further we can all go, and for me, the online space has been absolutely wonderful for for connecting with women. And I and I make a real point just to be in communities where that's the ethos, that's the culture, is about women championing women. And I think from the very get go, I've sought out mentors and people that can help me on my journey, uh, who are who are women as well, and that that's that's a priority of value. I think both Karen and I hold. Really strongly, mm-hmm. and like we can see it in both of you guys as well with what you're creating. We, when we combine forces, we are so powerful, right? Yeah, right.
3: I, agree and I think so it's way. so, I, I totally agree. And I think it's so important that at times when you feel like you're the only one doing it, there is someone out there who can help you elevate that and take you on to that next leap. Because there are people we, we all know we. We're not an expert in everything. And we will have to rely on someone at one point, at some point in your career, your entrepreneurship um, world to really help bring that another level of expertise, that another lens to look at. And it's only until then you realize, oh my goodness, there is a world full of other amazing women who can who you can journey with. And I tell Carla time and time again, she's stuck with me for life, whether we're in business or not. <laughs> um, she and she's not going anywhere. <laughs> and I think it's so important you know, Kala, talked about competing and, you know, there's still a large sentiment about women competing with one another. But mm. when you bypass that and you build friendship, you build, you build genuine relationship. And I think I think personally, that's where a lot of businesses can continue to scale. A lot of female owned businesses in particular can really elevate something. I'm going to be slightly hesitant or conscious in saying this, but I guess something that men don't leverage as much as women.
1: <laughs> where my head went to exactly is that naturally, as women, we are connectors. And mm. Karen is Karen is a super connector, like no one I've ever met before. It's one of her absolute superpowers. But like you know, in our in our day to day lives, we connect, we support each other. We you know relationships matter, and yet somehow this got lost a bit in in the work world. Where and I think probably my my theory would be that we were pitched in a world where there wasn't so much space for us so we ended up being pitted against each other um and i think there is a, a real shift that i see of opening it up for for this collaborating not competing and i'm mm. it, it, i find it really exciting and to me it makes all all the difference because it's so much more fun when you can do this with other people and uh, karen certainly fills in the gaps that i've got I, I i look to other women to learn the bits that i don't know exactly like you said of elka we mm-hmm. you know we need each other to do that and it's a much more enjoyable experience
2: it 100%. is yeah and then one of the things that really drew claire and i together and um, when we compared notes afterwards is that we came from traditional corporate or institutional backgrounds where there was a ceiling that we reached and we could not go any further. And there just wasn't that seat at the table. So we we came, you know, and what really drew us together as a team was actually, we're happy to get those tools out and get dirty and done and carve our own table and and make it an, a table that is, will just extend continually, inviting more and more people to come and sit with us and join and and have those conversations and build each other up. Um, and. I, I strongly believe in the power of that collective hive mind because, like you were talking about the connecting, those conversations how they spark the ideas and the innovation and the solutions that didn't exist before. All of a sudden, you're creating an exciting future ahead of you.
0: Mm. I, I love that so much, and and and, and I love you the. the the very transparent kind of way that you guys have described your experiences of of kind of the corporate spaces that you're quite and that ceiling that you encountered and i just want to go back a little bit before we started recording we were speaking about how i think particularly this generation it's exciting because we see there is so much endless opportunity now we've got women breaking boundaries smashing glass ceilings but at the same breath there is a generation of us kind of dangling a middle line between we come from an era where we are taught from literally perhaps our mother's and our grandmother's generation about traditional roles and spaces that women occupy but now we're also balancing trying to um, have capacity to contain and move forward in a new world that is saying you need to be able to do more than this don't get stuck behind just those traditional roles but there's the expectation and the pull and push between both of those types of mindsets. Have you guys found that navigating, particularly that you were in corporate spaces? How did you find that? Uh, please feel free to answer from both of your perspectives.
1: Well, I, I came from a public sector background, so organisational hierarchies, but in a different sense from the corporate. So it was a little bit different from my experience. It was um, there were a lot of women. I worked in social work in mental health teams. I used to run a mental health. And well-being service at um, a university in London, um, so there was opportunity there. I'm not. Sh- I think maybe the glass ceiling was a bit different. I think there was definitely a glass ceiling still. But what I f- what I felt um, from my personal experience was, t- in order to move up and do career progression, I had to somehow adapt into, I don't know, for for, for ease of use, a kind of more male model that didn't uh, wasn't what I wanted. And like Karen, I I have a young daughter. When I, I was living abroad, when I had her and when i came back with the, with the baby i was like what am i going to do i don't want to go back into this structure that feels too rigid for me i don't want to have to go up the management ladder and start to behave in a way certainly in the in the in the places i was working in which didn't sit well with my integrity to be quite frank i was like i'm not prepared to to change my values that much so what can i create Instead, um, but I do think we are in that bind. And, and COVID was really interesting in the studies they did for when everybody was working from home, and they looked at how did we break down the the, the jobs that were done at home, the amount of hours that men versus women did on all the domestic things when we were both at, everyone was at home working, and the, the disparity was just huge. Mm-hmm. So this to me is the challenge: is how do we create something? So we can build what we want. Like Karen said, we can carve our own table, but there needs to be systemic change going on around us. And I think it's happening, but it's, it's slow moving. And I'm more hopeful, I hope for the generations coming up behind me. Um, But I can certainly see that's been a whole negotiation that's gone on within my family about how do we, how do we distribute the responsibilities for things and the mental headspace for holding Mm. things. It's it's these sort of multi-layered shifts that we're, that we're looking at that need to go on. And there's no quick, easy answer, but it's chipping away at it. And it's having conversations like you women are creating that are so important to get get this out there, to keep talking about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what you hit on the head there, Claire, is all around this whole shift in the whole domestic revolution where, like you said, Carla, we're expected to be crushed at work, crushed at a home, you know, everything. It is this balancing act. But, you know, there, there is this silent revolt going on about actually there is so much that I can take and my, my capacity is... At that point, there is no more. So there does need to be that more grown-up um, partnership uh, to be able to support each other's growth and ambitions for those that are in couples. And then there is, you know, when you don't have that partner to support you at home, yeah. you're all, you're still expected to do all the things anyway. So, mm-hmm. our, you know, our ability to multitask is phenomenal and there is so much that we can carry as a load but there is a compromise somewhere um, and that that really you know that really sits with me but looking at the systemic change and you know I'm so so passionate about empowering women in leadership and business and changing uh, the face and uh, of, of what that landscape looks like um, uh, but I do feel like there's been progress, but we've still got a long, long way to go. You know, even as of now, only nine percent of CEOs in the FTSE 100 are females, and you break that down even further, only 0.2 percent come from other um, minority backgrounds. So uh, you know the the, the 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 programs are failing because there was a big push and drive to have 25 percent. Female diverse uh, CEOs in the fifty one hundred by twenty twenty five, and they're only nine percent, and it's predominantly white women. So, what's actually changing? Where is that progress? It needs to be. There needs to be buy in all around um, to enable that change to take place.
0: I mean, th- those those figures are staggering, really, mm. aren't they? and I think we feel that we're in a very empowered space particularly living in the western world we have so much you know supposed freedoms of you know aspiration and, and opportunity but when you hear figures like that it really puts a, a sobering halt on actually where are we? in your view ladies like what would what what do you think needs to change that clearly this is coming from something we've mentioned the word already systemic but is there something else that that you've identified in your journey as champions for women's equity in leadership and in entrepreneurship what's been some of the things you've come across like maybe this is where the weaknesses are this is those are the things that need to be challenged has there been specific things that you've come along to see like Perhaps we need to address that to see this imp- this outcome that we're kind of all hoping and aspiring for.
1: Mm-hmm. There, there is a big issue when we when we look at the kind of issues like Karen just said, where we've got these figures that are put out there. We want X amount of these kind of roles to be filled by these kinds of peoples, and it becomes a bit of a lip service. Um, and I love the, that you use the word equity when you talk about the diversity and inclusion that's, that you that you promote. Um, because equity to me means that there's, there is a buy-in, there's a belief in it. There's It's not just about getting a seat at that table. It's about your voice being welcomed and valued and respected and, and actually wanted there. So we need more than just that, that space being opened up. We need uh, the contributions or the perspectives or the issues that come up for women and what the barriers that come in the way. To actually be seen as important and relevant and and with a a real, a real desire to change it and shift it. Like you look at all the work that's going on um, uh, around flexible working and the laws that are being pushed through, maybe lots by Anna Whitehouse, Mother Pucker, who's doing a huge amount of work online and offline around campaigning for this. But the resistance to this idea of change and of having some flexibility that would mean that predominantly women and then also women who happen to be parents could could, can can come and can feel like they can contribute and succeed and grow within their careers. I think too often we see that women now are stepping out of careers because it's just not tenable when they reach a certain point or want to have a family, for instance. It's it's And we're losing so much talent from the workplace. Um, and it, so it's on the one hand, I think, great, these women are going and, and creating their own you know they're they're carving their own table. They're creating their own opportunities, and that's real mm-hmm. empowerment. But it would also be nice if that was a choice rather than a necessity. That mm. there's was also that same opportunity for people within organisations. So for me, I think this is this is a male issue. I think this is something that needs to be looked at. Um, It's not necessarily for us always to change as the women, it's for for the men to, to step in and say, actually, there is space for some flexible thinking here from some incorporating other people's perspectives and experiences and valuing them.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think we'll, you know, from my perspective, thinking about the female founders who go and forge their own path and and create a solution that didn't exist before, I think it's providing more support um, in terms of funding and financial support. Um, Claire and I were talking about we represent a demographic of women over 40 who are the fastest-growing rising, demographic of entrepreneurs in the UK, but the least- accessible uh, to funding. So it's a completely skewed statistic. Um, And and, so I think in order to change, we need to focus on on getting rid of those challenges around gender bias, the lack of network, the um, industry bias, pitching challenges, looking at pay gaps and bring those into into conversation focus that you know as a as a collective groups and you know we we look at what are those funding routes to that going to support that entrepreneurial spirit you know and bring into focus more things like gender lens investing where we're specifically targeting female-run businesses you know, I've been on. I can't even. I, I love a good program, and I love a mentoring program. <laughs> so I, I can't even tell you how many I've been on, and some really great ones that have been spearheaded as part of their CSR agenda uh, with some very well-known financial institutions. Every single time, these programs are about teaching you how to business. How do you? How do you do the practicalities? But not mm. one is there any investment and okay so how do we invest in you how do Um, we open up opportunities for funding to ensure that your solution that you've got there becomes a scalable really big impact um you know you could be the the next unicorn that um, that is where change really needs to happen and, and um yeah, otherwise we're just cheerleaders on the sideline, cheering each other on and nothing actually changes. So.
0: I think you raised like some really, really valid points there. I think both it's it's not something that I think women, it's your job to go and fix it. And I think Karen, you really sh- shone a very realistic truth on it. This is something, it's not just about women, it's actually about everyone. Because at the end of the day, as much as we are talking about, we are in the business of altering, if not disrupting historically male dominated spaces, particularly in entrepreneurship and corporate world, it's in order for that space to be created, we need to have the buy-in of the collaboration of the fact that you know those that have historically held that space with no question it's never been a an issue of where they belong that's mm-hmm. like what are you doing to adjust and be flexible to make the space more comfortable and inviting and abrasive to those coming in like for example like you said women that have got different contexts some come in as as mothers is there is there space for us still to be seen in our value not just because you have a child now it's going to be one or the other and i love that you actually raise that because that's so important because currently if we're to look at the ent- entrepreneurship or corporate landscape right now it doesn't quite look as though it, it is only one or the other if i decide that i would like to you know invest in my family and and again i think this also is what what feeds into negative impressions for women that choose to that is an incredibly important role this is where we are you know um raising tomorrow's leaders and children if our children are broken we don't have a good society tomorrow so we need those types of parents that see it as such a a very sacred uh, and have a reverence towards the responsibility of that but why like you say does it have to be at the cost of i no longer or i'm now like um excluded from still being able to participate and bring value outside of even that sphere and i think i mean that is a that is an is that's a big ongoing question we don't have all the answers now yeah. and like you say karen we can see that there's stuff that there's potentially that can be done to disrupt this and to shift this for good impact and positive change of inclusion of women but it does require like it takes money to make the world go round. It takes that funding, mm. action spaces. What have we facilitated creating education opportunities for people to learn about how to do this with internally within companies, their infrastructure? How are we doing that in terms of our policy? How are we doing that in terms of the work environments uh, and, and kind of cultures that we're building there? I, I feel, Evelka, you've been someone who's been in the mm. DNI and space as a specialist for a long time. And I guess DNI is is fairly new in terms of this is a hot topic. It's a hot kind of sphere to Mm. be involved in. But from your experience, like, what has that been like as an ethnic woman, as someone who specialises in something, it feels like actually you get a lane of your own almost because it is an evolving kind of field. What has been your experience with that?
3: Um, I think my experience and kind of my exposure to the corporate role has been quite varied. I have to say Um, there are, you know, there are some organizations that I have worked with in the past where I definitely felt like I could elevate and progress and level up um, in order to reach spaces of ultimate impact. And then there are other organizations and um, environments I've been on been in that were a little bit reductive and it kind of set me backwards. But I think for me I'm a huge advocate for similar to to you all um female empowerment but I guess female for me female empowerment from those on the other side of things for the younger generation for the young girls and um young women growing up and you know being in spaces for either the first or second or third time who perhaps don't have the years of experience as you know, our counterparts have, but are being, I guess, disadvantaged, one, because they're a a woman, and two, because of their age. It's, you know, on my end of the spectrum, it's not about, you know, okay, I'm ready to have a family. And, you know, we come to that later on, but I think for, you know, late twenties, early thirties, perhaps, you know, it's all about sustaining and building a career for yourself. and I was having conversations with um, some other women and, you know, we both agreed that whilst we're on different ends of the spectrum, she very much has a family and has to be a provider and, you know, having to work part time because of the different requirements and um, responsibilities she, had, she has. But then on me, whereas I have, I guess, more time <laughs> um, and still not being able to gain that opportunity because I don't have the years of experience so it's like you're kind of stuck in, in in a in a space where you're neither that you're neither this so how do you actually progress so you know I'm not at that end where I have a responsibility of a family but at the same time I'm, I'm at the space where I can build a career but yet there are no opportunities or there's no um resources available for me to do that because it certainly feels like a like a stopgap, so I think for me, I'm for me, I'm advocating for young women within corporate and entrepreneurship space to, you know, gain access to resources, to funding, as you've said, Karen, um, to you know, different opportunities, to growth plans in corporate organisations, and I think we're often overlooked. You know, a lot of companies say you have a development plan, but when you actually sit down and in reality, how far does that development plan go? Like how how much do you really want to invest in me as an individual who, you know, in the next five, 10 years, whatever it may be, I can be at the top or I can be supporting you in advancing another area of your business to further scale. And I think there is very much a limited or small mindset in a lot of companies where they think they can only, they're the only ones who will ever be at the top, um, and not allowing space or not even allowing access to even take a glimpse of that space to learn. And I think there are organizations who are doing it well in terms of reverse mentoring. Um but again, I still feel like there is a lack of investment even in that in itself. But I think we can definitely do a lot more on that end of the spectrum. I don't know, what are your thoughts? Um, because I'm coming from the complete end.
0: <laughs> a really important thing to raise, I think. And if we're going to move forward altogether, we do ne- need to acknowledge these are what the challenges are amongst mm. women in general. It's not mm. linear, it's not homogenous, and, and it's really not a one size that fits all. In order for it to be effective, we have to have the awareness That, for example, you might be at a, like you said, the spectrum where you represent a generation that is up and coming and we represent a generation that we have some experience, Mm. but we've been perhaps in the struggle in terms of we need to break some stereotypes of our place Mm. and our validity within these places in the first place. But actually, we need you and you need us to move forward so that there is a space for everybody to feel that they can fulfill that potential. Mm. I I think my comment would be like, and again, this would incorporate, I think some of the things have really been kind of flown around it, which has been amazing in terms of, I think this goes back to how it is that actually we found ourselves coming together in the first place, right? It was the element of we're we're talking about it. We are making Mm. real connections and real genuine friendships not because what can i get from you as a transactional in, in engagement but genuinely i'm passionate about what you're doing i want to see like what does that look like where you are i already i think when we we speak about you know how certainly Ivalka and I came together you know mm-hmm. coming and, and forging Kahisha Connect it was a synergy of, of hearts that really care yeah. about something purpose-driven that Karen was speaking about earlier and recognizing she's from a different generation than I am and my background and specialisms are different but together we know that this will actually achieve what we need to, because nobody's an island what would you yeah. w- what would you ladies say in terms of how can we promote that more that this is actually the way forward and not mm-hmm something else in terms of I just need to make it on my own or do you know what I mean what, what are your mm. thoughts towards that in terms of how can we get everybody to that mindset that this is what it's going to take for us to get forward together I think
1: the energy that that's being brought to all of this and the, the point you just make on about like we're here talking to each other because we are genuinely interested mm. in what each other has to say and it's valued and that just creates this whole momentum and energy of its own and it's about putting that out there
2: yeah
1: bigger and bigger platforms and using using your voice i was listening to a talk that Doreen Lawrence gave um it was up on the black history months website and i went in to have a little look at what they what what all the different amazing women that are being showcased and Doreen Lawrence is one of them and i and i watched her the talk she gave uh, and she talked about moving from having a quiet voice to a challenging voice. And I just thought that was absolutely lovely. And it's about doing that, isn't it? It's not about having conflict necessarily, although, you know, that that is a way. But for me, it's what, what we're doing here is about having that challenging voice mm-hmm. and a genuine buy-in of interest and value into what each other is saying. And I think when, when, we, when we go from always this very kind of male-female model, we also do a disservice to the men out there who... Uh, if we go back to the the family model, which I know is just one element of it all, but the, yeah. you know, there's tons of men that are missing out and don't want to be. Um, we've got to start valuing the contributions that women bring uh, it, on an equal footing, and not seeing this as that. if we can start shifting this dialogue, if we can look at the language we use. Stop calling yeah. women boss babes and fempreneurs. Like, you know, we're we, we're women who are leaders. We are women who are bosses. We are just bosses. Like, <laughs> <let's> just... <laughs> Because it, it, it does us a disservice, doesn't it? Right. It, it, it reduces us. It diminishes. Um, but also, we, we I, I, I think there's such power in coming forward and assuming that there are men out there that feel the same and that would equally value this conversation and listen to this conversation right now that we're having. And that's what we need to tap into and build more of and, and harness that energy, because that's mm-hmm. where we're going to get a ripple and a movement going from both sides. And that feels mm-hmm. exciting.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think just to build on that as well, Claire, I think that there's such power in intergenerational learning and connections. You know, we, we've got the older generations uh, in the workplace and, and in business and in life that have have they've got the war wounds and the scars <laughs> and we've been through it, and so so there's you know so there's so much wisdom to tap into. From that experience without having to go through that yourselves and you know and then really valuing the younger generations well and being digital first and this whole massive shift in digitization that is goes way beyond the previous generation's capabilities and and there's a fear so you know when you start to marry what all the parties can bring together it's, it's really exciting but i think You know, going back to to how how can we start challenging this as early as possible? I think it comes into, for those of us that are raising children or have influence on children in our lives, whether they're our nieces and nephews, and, you know, I think it's about supporting children from a very young age and supporting young, strong, confident girls you know, I've got a young child. She is six going on 16. She's just <laughs> fabulous. She has just got so much energy and she's curious. And, you know, I call her more boy than girl because she's hanging off bars and trees and things. I don't want her to lose that essence of that mm. adventurous spirit. Um, and I was listening to this fantastic podcast from Dr. Mary han Baker, a child psychologist, about Raising gutsy girls, and she was saying that you know from the age of eight, girls we're just predisposition that our our confidence levels drop by eighty percent. Like we're on a par with boys until about six eight, then all of a sudden it drops, and and there's this having to be more conscious about the messaging that we're putting forward to Mm -hmm. our young girls, calling them the good girl, and you know be quiet, be a good girl, and you know and passing on like the domestic roles to them and teaching them, you know, I think that there's this disruption in the home that needs to happen from an because we've got to, what we learn as children is what we take and carry with us and that, that hangover. And, and I think that's a part of what we carry as women, as adults, the whole good girl, put up, shut up, back in your box, as opposed mm. to, no, I haven't as much, um a right to take up space and my voice deserves to be heard and and that's where Claire and I really that's what drives us is is to to bring that out in women that are just fabulous and amazing but for some reason or another they've been overlooked they feel unseen so they kind of shift into the background whilst other people get to take the limelight, but no, you know, so, so that's, that's where we combine that growth mindset and your growth strategy to really just challenge that trajectory.
0: Yeah. And i oh, sorry, go for it, Ivanka. Mm-hmm.
3: No, sorry. I was just kind of thinking as you were talking, Karen, around that lack of confidence. And, you know, a lot of my experience really derived from seeing the different behaviours within the recruitment space. And there are stats within the recruitment space, you know, it takes about almost up to eight times for a woman to be convinced of a particular job. And then when she does apply to it, you know, she doesn't, she she only applies to it when it's about almost 100% of of the fact that she knows that she can do it. On the other hand, men only apply to jobs, even if they meet 50, 60 percent, their confidence is and eager is over the top. And they're just like, yeah, I can do that. Sure. And it takes a lot more conversation a lot more kind of um, motivation to encourage that woman. And I and I speak to a lot of women um, within, you know, within my roles and, you know, in the past. And because I um, navigated the recruitment space, I had a lot of candid conversations as to why are you not applying? Why? What are you scared of? You know, this is how you can frame yourself. Don't be afraid to say that you've done X, Y, and Z. You know, don't be afraid to put that you've worked in so and so place. You know, speak your truth. Be authentic. Showcase that as best as you can in in a written format. And there is still largely, I went to. Um, The UK Black Business Show just last week. And I met so many incredible Black women. And they just have this I I think it was more of a fear of how do I go beyond this? Like, how can I, you know, present myself in a certain way? And there was one particular woman, she was just like, you know, I, I feel like I can get past all of that, but how can I get an interview? like what behaviors do i need to showcase i've you know i think i've done my job job description my cv resume to the t but i'm just struggling to get to those in person conversations those interviews those next stages in the recruitment process and i think one as we've all have demonstrated and discussed there is a s- systemic issue happening at play and that goes right to how organizations recruit and how they attract. Um, But there's more as to even when they do get to spaces of interview, shortlist, awful, you know, what behaviors are the company, you know, portraying that either one turns off a female candidate for even continuing the process, or two, as Claire said, it's kind of they do it out of necessity rather than, you know, they have not a choice. They have to do it because they need to bring home money. For the family for you know to to live and so on and so forth and i think for women there is a lot more kind of consideration of the wider things at play that bigger picture that bigger focus as to okay if i don't get this job if i don't navigate this space you know there are other people my dependents my family who's counting on me to to provide to set an example for to be a role model will be affected. I don't think men carry around that, <laughs> that burden, that kind of. I, just like, say, like, I love that <laughs> you've raised, do I do?
0: absolutely. I love that you've raised that, Evolk, and I think this ties in quite with what Karen was talking about. And I think what we're speaking about and what we're referring to is the, the places of origin of culture and whether that's mm-hmm. family culture or even, you know, um, ethnic culture in society, because my husband and I are both firstborns. But my version of being a firstborn, he's very much like our firstborn rights. His is very much based on it. I'm entitled. I will go and do something first. Nobody questions my ability and freedom to figure stuff out on my own. As a firstborn in in my family culture, particularly, a lot of it was responsibility focused, mm. and I think Karen, you absolutely. This is where my confidence is always in the space, or it has been historically. If we look at it and we really examine ourselves, and this goes, I think, ties in quite well with Ivelka's description of meeting and hearing the narratives of other people that she's come across. Is there's a second guessing of it's my confidence is not just about me my confidence actually has to go through this major filtering of all of these other hoops to jump through before I see my value <laughs> as being in the right place at the right time. Mm. And, I, and I've and i also heard men who really advocate women within the business world and they're in senior positions, they've spoken about how it is that when they have seen women who come from a particular cultural background where actually it's not appropriate for them to speak in a board, lead, a board meeting room because they don't speak in front of men that is another complex issue to be navigating. And the the value that they should be bringing and kind of like the essence that they bring and which would be so important for the next strategy for the success of a business is reliant on them. But because of cultural conflicts, potentially, I think that might be a better word. And these tensions happening all the time, it, it helps us to understand that actually there is so much here at play. And it is is it needs a different kind of unpacking and sensitive approach but it still needs to be done how do we break out of that so that this voice is is heard you know unshackled if i'm gonna say but all of these other additional things i I don't know if you have any answers but i'd love to hear your thoughts on that
1: well it's it's a double whammy isn't it like like you're both saying there's the internal conditioning that we soak up and carry around and there's going to be some I think some pretty universal experiences as women and then some very specific cultural experiences whether that's your your the background from which you come or your specific family culture like there's so many different layers of it so we're struggling with all of that and that's a huge thing that that, that I see in in the in the women I work with is unpicking and undoing that social conditioning. But then, Ivelka, you're so right. There needs to be an experience on the other end of that when you do go and apply for that job that you're not 100% certain you hit the criteria for. Um, And that piece of research was so interesting to read about the difference between men and women
0: uh, Mm -hmm. and when
1: we'll go for things versus when we hold back. But but when we do put ourselves out there, when we do step out of that comfort zone, when we do um, get our voice to be bigger and to use it, it so so much of what we then carry on to do or not do will be determined by the 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 experience we have or the uh, what we get back at us so if time and time again we get a negative experience or we get knocked back or we get the 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 experience that our voice isn't welcomed uh, and our views aren't welcomed uh, then we it, we so we're sort of fighting against the tide swimming against the tide a lot of the time so we need this shift to happen um, from all sides. And there isn't an easy answer. Uh, one thing we can do is that is that idea of self-determination up to a point where we, we, we can go away today and start looking at that inner dialogue, those, those blueprints for living that we've been given and what we want to carry on with and what we want to reject and what we can do within ourselves. Because um, we can't control what everyone else is doing we don't know how long that's going to take for everyone else to get up to speed, but we can start right now today on questioning that inner voice that tells us we shouldn't do something. We can't do something. Um, we got to please everybody. You know, we can't rock the boat. We got to stay small and quiet. And I see it. Karen, so right. I see it in my in my daughter. I have a nine year old and who is feisty as hell. Um, and at school, she's she prides herself on being very well behaved which I can totally understand why that's taught. Um, It it serves a purpose when you've got hundreds of kids in a school together, but girls carry this mantle and it goes with them throughout life. And at her school, they have a junior leadership team that's part of the, it mirrors the senior leadership team. And it's the boys that go for it on the whole. There are girls in it as well, but in my daughter's class, it is usually the boys that are putting themselves forward. So it's starting so young of girls not seeing themselves as, as either having the confidence to get out and do that do that or seeing themselves as seeing as possible seeing themselves as having a place at that table and we have to role model this i think Mm -hmm. the answer is in what we do for the generation coming up behind us um whether that's young women or young girls and how we teach them and role model Um, and i had a conversation with my daughter about why she wasn't going putting herself forward if she wanted to and she did want to but she didn't feel confident enough and i sat there and had to have a little word with myself and go if she doesn't see her mom doing these things, mm. do it. so I put myself forward for parent governor and got it and showed her like, you know, we, 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 we can do this. There's space there. You just have to put yourself forward and keep, keep going. And I think if that's one thing that we can do, and that's to inspire um, girls coming up behind us and show them that, yeah, they can have a place at the table. It might, it might always it might be messy sometimes. It might not always be a comfortable seat, um, but we can take that seat because, because no one's going to sit there and, and, and just hand it to us. Sadly. Uh, And I'm aware that I'm sitting here as a white woman talking who has disadvantages and barriers, but they are also I also have a position of privilege that makes it maybe a little bit easier for me to get in that door. So I think my job is to then try and get in there and hold the door open wider for everyone else to come through.
3: And that's a responsibility that we have. Amazing. Amazing. No, that's that sounds great, and I think you know you, you've done such a good job in showcasing to your daughter that look, I can do it too. You know, I went for a position. Come on, you have the confidence to do it, and I think it's really important to continue to inspire and be our role role models for young girls. I I try to do it with my younger sister. She she's eighteen, and you, she's more like going on thirty at this rate. Wow. <laughs> But she, you know, she has her challenges in terms of what spaces can I occupy, you know, she wanted to go into engineering plumbing and I remember when she sat down and talked about it in class, bearing in mind it was an all, I think there was only three girls in her class at the time, and she was the only black girl saying that she wants to do this and guys were just like no you will never be able to do that you can't and i think there is such a sentiment that you know it goes beyond what happens in school but what happens and conversations are happening at home that we're teaching our young men and our young boys as to what roles they can play especially in terms of how they interact and engage with women and girls Mm -hmm. um there is such a broader um <laughs> conversation in that in how we raise our young men to be advocates and to create space for our for their counterparts and for women and that's such an important thing i i was in um a, a relationship for a number of years and you know he came from a family of only brothers and i have a sister And even in our interaction with our families, it was so different. Like, I would try to be in a role model for my sister and be like, "Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help that. I'm going to help my sister. And he, on the other hand, would be like, oh, they'll figure it out. I don't have to do that. That's my mom's job. And I'm just sitting there like, but you're the older one. You're the eldest. What are you doing? It's a different (laughs) lived experience, isn't it? It's a different lived lived
1: experience.
0: And, and you're so, so right.
1: Much. You can't you can't control what what reaction your sister's going to get. What we mm-hmm. can do though is trying to give and build a foundation of rock solid self belief at home, and, and in friendship mm-hmm. groups, and 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 that that allows them to become not that quiet voice, but that challenging voice. Mm. Um, so this is the way we're going to trailblaze through, and it can be on such small things like going going for a parent governor position is hardly you know ceo of a big company but it doesn't matter it's like there are day-to-day opportunities to role model stepping into some sort of leadership or not accepting something uh, as it stands if it feels mm-hmm. wrong to you and 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 it, that to me then is exciting because mm-hmm. there's so many micro opportunities that we can take as well as looking to the to the big really inspirational women out there doing amazing things it's those day-to-day role models that are so powerful mm-hmm.
2: as well Definitely. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's so key, Claire, because especially if we think in digital first, you know, we we take a lot of cues from what we see online and social media. And there is that whole notion of uh, learning from celebritized entrepreneurs. Whereas, you know, that's that's filtered versions. We don't know the whole production and everything that goes on to get into that place. And and how much of it is actually true? You know, there's just been something uncovered in LinkedIn with the the top 100 LinkedIn voices that, you know, 80% of them, they've been banned from LinkedIn because they were literally harvesting engagement pods. and commenting to to make them appear to be something that they weren't. So how much of it is smoke and mirrors out there? But what Claire was really touching on about is, let's look locally. Who are our local role models and heroes in our community? And that's where we start to affect change by actually looking and seeing who's in front of us and who do we impact around us in a positive way that we can role model and set as examples um to learn from and to c- cultivate this this whole environment of support and empowerment without having to feel like, oh well, you know, having to look at these influences and affluences mm. that are are so far removed from our our actual reality.
0: yeah, I think mm. that is such a such a key thing there it's it's really looking to where can we start now? It doesn't have to be as wide or as grand as a a way in which to to actually start the steps towards impacting this form of change that we want to see. Um, And I think that's such a perfect way to, I think, end this incredible conversation. I feel we can go on uh, continuously. I know we'll have a great time talking about it, but I've just been so encouraged by, I think what 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 undergirds everything that's been said today is there's a lot of hope in the atmosphere. We're not I think putting our heads in the sand we're not um unaware or naive to what the challenges are but I think what I am so encouraged by this conversation and particularly by the stories of both Claire and Karen and your partnership and your collaboration is that We're in a generation now, we're in a season now and an era now where women are looking to partner together for the amplification for change. Um, There's work to be done, but there is still so much hope and excitement and enrichment in this process. And I'm here for the ride. So a huge thank you to both Claire and Karen for joining us again on uh, Connecting Conversations. Please connect with them on their uh, LinkedIn. I will have their details as well. In ways to connect with them and their businesses, it'll be great to see us all continuing to support one another. Thank you, ladies, for being with us today. um It's been fantastic. Oh,
1: thank you, Carla. Thank, thank, thank you, Melka. That was absolutely wonderful. We awesome.
0: really enjoyed it.
3: Thank you. Sarah. Our pleasure. Thank you. We'll see you on the other side. <laughs> <laughs>